This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson, along with my co-host, Josh Cumston. Well, Josh, as we start out the school year, you've now been here for two years as a superintendent at Nebraska Christian Schools. I'm just wondering if you could share with our listeners some of the things that you're looking forward to this school year. Gordon, I am really excited for this school year to get started. We have about 210 students this year, and they come from 28 different communities in Nebraska and six different countries from around the world. And that mix of students is tremendous. We get a chance to share biblical truth every day through through math curriculum, through social studies curriculum, through all of the curriculums, and really take the gospel message and take what students are learning in their churches and in their families and really partner with those with those homes and those churches. A lot of things planned for the kids. One of the things we're really focused on this year is how to help our kids become leaders, leaders in, uh, in a Christian school, leaders in their youth group, leaders in their churches. But, but I think where we're going to find our success is not kids graduating from high school, but what happens to them in college and after college. Are they leading their families? Are they being leaders in their churches? Are they continuing a close walk with Christ? Are they making disciples in their community? You know, that's really where we are trying to focus this year as we, as we prepare our students. So what's the best way for a parent or a prospective student to find out more information about Nebraska Christian Schools? You can go to nebraskachristian.org, O-R-G. We have a lot of information on that page and other contact possibilities. Today in the studios at Nebraska Christian Schools, we have Jason Thacker. He is the youth pastor at Faith Bible Church, and he was our chapel speaker here today at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to the program today, Jason. I think it's been good to be here. Jason, tell us a little bit about ministry in Lincoln, about Faith Bible Church and your role there, maybe some of the things that you're trying to involve your students with this semester at the church. I've been at Faith for about a year and greatly enjoying the student ministry, and I would say one of the things we want to focus on at Faith is really threefold. We want to teach them the faith. We want them to know the Bible, and then we want them to be able to have fellowship together, which is a great mm-hmm. thing that the youth need, and then we always say we want them to have, have fun and food. And put those three together, it makes for a great environment of learning the Word and, and sharing lives together is what we try to focus on at Faith. And you had an interesting experience in that you can relate to some of our students today that you're a graduate of Lincoln Christian School. So were you yes. able to tell that the kids could kind of identify with you a little bit today? Yeah, the faces I saw were the faces I had when I, when I, when I said <laughs> okay. under chapel speakers. But yeah, they, you know, just sometimes you hear the same thing again and again, and, mm-hmm. but that's, that's part of the joy of the Word of God is still teaching them mm-hmm. what they need to know in here. But yeah, it was fun. Jason, I, I was kind of wondering, along the lines of Gordon's question, I, I just wondered, your experience going through a, a Christian high school, how does that influence you when it comes time to speak to students at a Christian high school? I say in a good way, because you're able to relate. You, you know where their hearts and minds are because you were there once yourself, and so you're able, hopefully, to be able to make more of an impact because you can get into their minds and know what's going on. You know, Jason, obviously at our campus, we have a lot of kids from central Nebraska and other parts of Nebraska that have grown up in the church. We have students uh, from overseas. Some of them, this is maybe the first year that they've really studied the Bible or heard much about the Bible. How does your message reach that you shared with us this morning? And really, it's Romans. How does that work for all of those different types of people? 
and my wife always likes to say everybody needs Jesus. And so whether you're raised across the world or in a Christian home, you know, we all come back to the central point that we're all sinners in need of a Savior, and that is Jesus. And so for me, I always smile and go, whatever environment I'm in, whether a Christian environment or non-Christian environment, the gospel is the power of God that saves people. And so I'm always thrilled to be able to share that great news. Let's join Jason with today's message. Take your Bible, Romans chapter 1. And as you're turning there, I have to smile because I sat not in the same chairs that you guys did, but I sat in a similar chairs in Christian for seven years, actually six years, give or take. And I remember every single chapel, I think it was on Thursday, every guy would come up and he'd try to do something fabulous to hold our attention. Never forget, how many of you know the power team? Guys, you know the guys you know, girls like that. Power team are these gigantic, muscular guys that rip phone books and blow up balloons. I mean, all these crazy, muscular things. Uh, that's not me. I'm not going to be able to do anything like that this morning. We had a guy come for spiritual emphasis week, and I don't remember anything he said except he brought an accordion. He brought an accordion, and he led worship all week long with an accordion. That's all I remember, just thinking, you've got to be kidding me. There's been all kinds of things. guys who would juggle, so I was thinking maybe I should get like a chainsaw and juggle chainsaws to grab your attention. The reality is, you will not remember me at all. I hope you don't. This morning, what I want you to remember is God's Word. God's Word should be the center of all that we do as believers. So this morning, I'm not going to draw your attention to me because there's not a whole lot about me that you should care about. This morning, I said, I want to draw your attention to the Word of God. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, two verses. And I'm going to pray for you that God would open your heart to only God can, I can. All right, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Most of you know this. If you're a one or a Bible writer, you know this. But here it is. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For, verse 17, in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as written back in the back, the righteous shall live by faith. All right, guys, let's pray for that. Father, it is so good to be here this morning. To be among those who proclaim a faith in the gospel. Who proclaim a deep and abiding love for your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we have sung about him. We have worshipped him through music. Now we're going to open your word that proclaims him. And it is our desire that through that we would come to know him in a greater way. So, Father, I would pray that you would work a miracle this morning by opening eyes. By opening ears. By opening hearts so that they would receive the truth that Paul would have us to know here. Father, we love you. We pray that you would help us understand this one. And as he says, we shall stand. Amen. 20 years ago at the Christian LCS, we did have a chapel speaker. And he started by, I'm going to start this morning, he said, you can change the world. I remember at the time thinking, that's nuts, man. How in the world can I change the world? And he proceeded to explain to us 
that we could go over to different countries and help the poor and take care of the needs of people. We could go other places and, and really dig into the culture. And by helping people, we could change the world. And it was inspiring. He had pictures of places that he had been, wells that he had dug, nets that he put up for malaria and stuff like that. It, it was awe-inspiring. And I remember feeling honestly convicted. But I gotta be honest with you, I kinda went anything. I'm not gonna go to Africa because man, that does not look cool. And I don't I, I sweat a lot when I get in hot temperatures, and I'm not gonna make it there. And I I just thought if that's what it means to change the world, I am doing it. Well it's interesting because when you begin to look at that thought of changing the world, do you know that every generation tells the next generation you can change the world? Because their generation didn't do it, so you can. It's true. When you're my age, and I'm like 22, 23, I turned 40 this year, so I'm kind of like old. Your generation, when you're my age, some of you may be speaking back here, and you look at me, you can change the world. Yeah! Can I just tell you something for your generation? You ready? You will not change the world. You're not going to change the world. You, you want to know why? It's not your job. Now, you can help people in the world, but there is only one agent of change in the world, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's what I mean by that. Feed the poor. That's good. Take care of people. But you will not stop wars. You will not stop horrible things in the world until you change the heart of fallen man. You guys know this. You've heard this, so I'm going to say it again. Your heart, if I were to rip it out, which would be super cool, but if I would rip out your heart, and we could see the spiritualness of your heart, not the physical part of your heart, but the spiritualness of your heart, what color would it be? Not red. It would be black. If you were to take my heart out, my wife would not be happy with you, nor my four kids. But if you ripped my heart out and saw it, there you would see a heart that has rebellious against God. Left to myself, I want to do things my way. And I'll say, I don't give a rip about you. I don't care about you. I'm going to do all that I can to get it my way, my stuff. And the reality is, you ready? We're all that way. The whole world is bent on self. And when you have a whole world bent on self, nothing will change. You can go help the poor people and feed this and do that, and that's wonderful. But inside the bodies, Because the gospel is the only thing that God uses to change hearts, to change families, to change communities. And ultimately, if the gospel has reached every heart and pierced every heart, the world will be changed. So here's my thoughts for you this morning. They're very simple. You will not change the world. You haven't been called to change the world. But what you have been called to do is to share the truth of the gospel to every human being. And by sharing the gospel so they can embrace it, you will change our life. How about that? Now, here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to look at these two verses, and I just want to show you three thoughts. 
You know, something about passwords, you have to have like two thoughts, three thoughts, five thoughts, ten thoughts, twelve thoughts, three thoughts. You know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity thing going on here. Three thoughts about the gospel, why the gospel changes lives, why it changes people more than anything else. Number one, ready? Take your notes. For you nerds that take notes, that's cool. That's okay. For those who don't, that's okay. So that's still love you. But here's something more. The gospel changes everything because, first of all, it is the power of God. Look at verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for here it is. It is the power of God. Now, some of you may have heard the word power is dunamis, and we get the word dynamite from it. Therefore, the gospel is the power of the dynamite of God, and it blows things up. Okay, just to let you know, they didn't have dynamite back in Paul's day, so Paul would have said, dynamite, what's that? The word simply has the idea, already of power, something strong to accomplish its purpose. The gospel is God's power. It accomplishes God's purpose. Now, I need some, some interactions from you, all right? Give me some examples of God's power in the Bible. What are some events that display God's power? Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. Who said that? That was really quick. Thanks, dude. Mount Sinai. What about Mount Sinai? What made it powerful? Storms around the back of the Kind of cool, wasn't it? What else? I saw Adam back there, all Baptist in Missouri. Yes. Was that power or what? How many of you woke up this morning and said, I think I'll create a universe? All right? Yeah. Fire from heaven when the light was not Wet, like double well. Super cool. Definitely power of God. What else? Yeah. Super power, right? Cool. Like, kill it. Yeah. One more. Yeah. Destruction of Sodom and Destruction of Sodom and I've got one. How about the Red Sea? Are they like super cool? Would you have loved to have been in Israelite and just. Watch the sea just and then dry land walk over your life. Can you imagine walking with walls of water on both sides? Like I've been like, you know, can I walk around it? Because if God just falls asleep for a second, we're all like that. Here's the point. The gospel is the power that God uses to change lives. In other words, and this is this is what's so hard. The gospel is a verbalization. Ooh, that's big syllables, yes. It is verbalizing. It is speaking the truth about Jesus. And that's what changes life. And that's why we struggle with it because it seems so silly. I should get up here and juggle chainsaws. You would be thrilled. But if you get up and say, Jesus changes life, you're like, yeah, I know. I do that every day. Can you tell me something exciting? No! That is exciting because it is the power. It is the only power God is choosing to use today to change lives. That is the gospel. The reason why we need to hold on, believe, trust, and share the gospel is because it is the only means that God is infusing with the world his power to change lives. Carry it, okay? I used to sing these really silly songs. I'm going to do it for the all of your kids, so I'm glad you're going to this out. I used to sing this little silly song to my dog, who's now 16. Can you write My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. Some of you know this? 
For it is the power of God for salvation to all those who believe. Jot this down for you theologians. Salvation, salvation is deliverance from God's wrath. Not that. Salvation is deliverance from God's wrath into a new condition or state. Those are the moment definitions you memorize and like that. No, I don't use But let me say one more time. Write it down. Salvation is deliverance from God's wrath into a new condition or state. Let me tell you the problem with mankind. I want to be careful. I don't want you to understand this. It's not a lack of food. It's not a lack of clothing. It's not a lack of education. What man lacks is a relationship with God. And you'll see in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and Paul, that the wrath of God, which sounds horrible, and it is, the wrath of God today is being poured out on mankind as mankind rebels against God. We know the story. Man was perfect. God created him that way. Man said, no, I don't want to do your way, God. We fell into what is called sin. Our lives are full of sin. And because God is a holy and just God, he must pour out his wrath upon us. The problem with mankind is that a just holy God has said, my wrath is poured out upon you, and there is nothing we can do about it. When I turned 30 long years ago, before cell phones, yeah, we used to actually pick something up that had a cord attached to it, it was cool. When I turned 30, my metabolism just went in the hole. I mean, like I, I used to be like, guys, I'd eat like five meals a day, not being awake. I woke up 30 and my body went, I don't think so. All of a sudden I started, six pack disappeared, all gone. Now I was just like, nothing I can do about it. I'm stuck. That ain't nothing compared to being stuck in sin. I am born a sinner. I was cute. The nurses put a little like pink ribbon on me because I thought I looked like a girl. So I must have been really cute. I was born cute, but man, I am a rotten, dirty, scoundrel sinner in rebellion against God who deserves his just wrath. The whole world is there. The whole world is there. And what Paul is saying here is that the gospel gives us salvation. It delivers, it rescues us out of this state of God's just wrath. And when we believe in Jesus, he puts us into a new state where God goes, I love you. You're my son and daughter. The wrath is gone. See, here's the thing. Unless we understand the true state true status of man, of being a sinner before God, we will be giving him the wrong message of hope and help. If we believe that man is a fallen creature in need of salvation, then we will give him the gospel. Because only the gospel is the power of God that saves us from a just and holy God who rightfully gives us his wrath. Here's the third thing, the final thing that the gospel does 
why we must take it with us. It makes us what we cannot be on our own. When I was in high school, some of you guys are going to laugh at this. I'm six foot, okay? But in high school, I was a little bit bigger than on the So I played center. I was a center on the basketball team, which is hilarious. But I was a center because LCS at the time didn't have football, so no one did weights. So I was the biggest guy, so I got to be inside and rebound and all those crazy things, right? It's funny because as a six-foot center, no college teams wanted me to play center. Go figure. Now, if I would have been seven foot, hey, I may have been recruited by colleges to go play center. But no matter how hard I wanted to play center beyond high school, there was no way it was ever going to happen. I was not able to do it. Man desires. There is an inbred desire in us to be in a relationship with God. But the problem is, is we do it our way. Paul will go on in chapter 1 to say the problem with man is not that he doesn't worship God, but the problem is he worships his own God. He knows there's a God out there. There is no such thing as an atheist. Everybody wants a God. They want something to worship. And Paul says the problem with man is that we've got a very, so I'm going to worship this God. I'm going to worship creation and the creature and make up all kinds of religions that are not what God wants. And so I'm going to try to achieve on my own what only God can do. Look at verse 17. That's what Paul says. For in it, in the gospel, I love this next phrase, the righteousness of God is revealed. Ooh, that sounds deep. It is actually pretty deep. Let me ask you guys just a fun theological question. How holy is God? You're going, no, he's really holy. I need to How righteous is God? He is righteous, dude. <coughs> yeah, I'm probably too young, but that was like a sentence. The leading back of the Righteous? How righteous is God? Does God do everything correct all the time? How many of you have an older or younger sibling? And how many of you are way better sons or daughters than your siblings? Oh, yeah. I am way better. That's all I had. I am what I had. I had two sisters. I was the best son my parents ever had. I was way better than I, I am more righteous than my my parents love me more. Okay, even though we know that's not true about how much more righteous is God than any of us? Was there ever a day that God woke up and went, yesterday. I didn't quite do it right yesterday. There's never been a day in all eternity. Can you imagine? Can you imagine in particular like being a disciple, living with Jesus for like three years, and the dude never sinned once? Well, that's not like the normal yeah, I provoked Jesus. I was telling this funny joke, and he should have gotten mad. He didn't. The point is, the righteousness of God is the idea that God always does what is right, and He demands that from us. Well, that's not fair. Yeah, it is. You know when God created this, Ecclesiastes said that God made man upright. That means God made man to be perfect and righteous and holy. We didn't think that was a great idea. We decided not to be that way. 
But God's standards have always been righteous like me. Matthew, you're to be perfect like your Heavenly Father is perfect. And I'll be honest with you, that stinks because I can't do it. When I sat, you guys ready for this? When I sat where you're sitting at your age, I did not become a believer until my junior year in high school. So I sat for four years in your chair, hearing guys like me, and I wanted to say, shut up. I've heard this whole Jesus thing, and I'm so sick and tired of Jesus. Here's why. Because I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't go out. Girls do. I come from a Christian family. My parents are Christians. Isn't there like some biological genetic thing that happens? Like, I was born a Christian? I go to, I go to Christian school. Everything's set me. I had no idea that God's standard of righteousness was not that. That God didn't give a rip about how I was born, what school I went to, did, doesn't care. Because his standard of righteousness is so far above that, and that when I went into my junior year, went to an FCA camp, saw Gordon there, when the first time I heard some guy saying what I was saying now, I went, I get it! I can't do this on my own. I cannot achieve the righteousness of God. What Paul is saying here is this, that in the gospel, God's standard of perfect righteousness is revealed. Now, what in the world does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that Jesus Christ, who is God, came into the world. Oh, we know the story of Christmas. Yes, here it is again. Listen up. Jesus Christ, who was God, came into the world, lived a perfect life. There's so many jokes you can make about that, because they have to be super cool as his parents and as his disciples to watch that. But because of that, he was able on the cross to bear the wrath of God that I deserved. Because God the Father could look at the Son and say, you're perfect, and, and you've done all that's required of my righteousness, so I'm going to take my wrath, pour it out on you on the cross, so that when people believe in you, I will be able to turn my wrath away. So Jesus did what was right before God. Amazing. He achieved and lived the righteousness of God, so that in the gospel, when I tell you about Jesus, I am telling you, and I am telling the world, you can be right with God. Oh, through faith in Jesus. Oh, here we go again. The whole Jesus thing. Can't I just like have a checklist of two things like read my Bible every morning and pray for five minutes and, and then tell my mom that I love them and then obey them every now and then and, and pretend like I'm a good Christian? Why can't I just do those things? Isn't that enough? No, it's not. Jesus achieved for you what you could never achieve on your own or ever could in a million, trillion years. Here's why you need the gospel individually, and this is why the gospel can literally change the world, because it is proclaiming the only truth that has in it the power of God, the heart red seas. It is the only truth that has the power of God contained in it to save people from the just wrath of God and to make them right before Him. And in a light of eternity, that is all that matters. If a man gains the whole world but loses his soul, 
He gains what? Nothing. You can't change the world with the power of the gospel. High schoolers, middle schoolers. Is there any other message you would want to take with you the rest of your life than the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? For it is the power of God to save lives and to make them right with God. That is awesome. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Jason Thacker from Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. Mm-hmm.